Let's all open up and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, and we'll go to the 24th chapter. In Acts, the 24th chapter and the 16th verse, the Spirit of God through Paul, he said, I exercised myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. The uh, NIV says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. We begin a new series recently called A Clear Conscience. The scripture says much about the conscience and a clear conscience. And sadly, much of the church has not been taught that they are to pay attention to their conscience and heed their conscience. We are not just a body and a mind. We're a spirit. We have a soul. We have a mind. We live in a body. This body is not you. It's the vessel you live in. And if you lost this body or you you left your body, you wouldn't cease to be you. You wouldn't turn into an angel. That'd be a demotion. And uh, each part of your being has a voice. Your body has a voice. Most people listen all too closely to the voice of the body. The body says... I don't want to get up. (laughs) The body says, I want three more pieces of pie. The body says, I I don't want to do this. I do want to do this. And there's a little two-letter word that you need to learn. (laughs) And I need to learn and use on this body. When it's talking to us, and have you ever heard your body? Can it talk loud? It's not a physical voice per se, but it's talking to you. Pain is the voice of the flesh can talk to you loud desires but if you yield to your flesh it'll ruin your life mess up all kind of things in your life Paul said this I I keep under my body I bring it into subjection lest that by any means after I've preached to others I myself should be a castaway he could wind up being disqualified if he didn't keep his body under what does that mean Uh, say no and your mind has a voice. Hmm? Doesn't it? Can your mind talk to you without you hearing anything in the air? Certainly. The voice of reason. Logic. Reasoning. Thoughts. Thinking. Your soul has a voice. Feelings. Emotions. It can be very powerful, very strong. Your spirit has a voice. And your conscience is that voice. And the Bible said that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, and the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Not our body, not our mind, not our emotions. The Spirit of God communicates with us through our spirit. So we need, if we learn how to pay attention to the voice of our spirit, our conscience, then we'll be paying attention to God. Because He leads us Through that means. How many times Christians, believers, young and old, something happened, a tragedy, a problem, loss, destruction, all kind of things. And and people say, I had a bad feeling about that. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Well, what's the next question? Why, If you had that thought, that feeling, why did you ignore it? Why did you override that? Because by and large, Christians have not been taught that this is significant, that you're supposed to pay close attention to it and heed it immediately. Well, the good news is you can train yourself. I don't care how old you are, young you are, you can train yourself to respond to your conscience, the voice of your spirit, to where you can get yourself trained so good that you'll respond to it without thinking. It can save your life. That of your kids. 
As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And sons of God, being led by the Spirit of God, he bears witness with your spirit. Say it out loud. The Spirit of God, spirit of God is, in me. is in me. He bears witness, he bears witness. With, my with my spirit. Not my body. Not my head, my spirit. I must listen to my spirit. Is that different from your head? Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. That doesn't mean you don't use your head, but that's not what you go to as the final decision. You use your head. But as far as what you act on, it's what you get in here. Paul said, I'm exercising myself continuously, all the time, to keep my conscience clear. Go with me over to um, the book of Timothy. 1 Timothy 4. We're believing together on this, right? This is such a big subject. I got 10 pages of notes up here. And you know we're probably not going to get to all that tonight, but uh, we'll get to the right thing. Endeavoring to see the, the best way, okay, to do this. First Timothy, a lot of this I've never taught like this before. I'm believing for utterance. Amen. And revelation. I'm believing to see things we haven't seen before about this. And I am convinced it is not just a nice thing to learn and know. It is the word of the Lord for this church and for us right now. It's key to us taking the next step. We need to be, this is the phrase I got. We must be clear so we can hear. Clear to hear. And that has to do with your conscience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Said out loud, I must be clear, I must be clear in, order in order to hear. As a teenage boy, I became convinced that if I could learn how to hear from the Lord, I had it made. And now a few years later, what are you laughing about? I'm more sure of that than ever. Why? Because I had decided whatever I hear from him, that's what I'm going to do. And if I do what he directs me to do, it's got to turn out good. Right? Does that sound like sound logic to you? So the big thing is learning how to hear from him. And so thank God he got me in connection with Brother Hagin's ministry and, and some much wonderful revelation about how to be led by the Spirit. You know, there's so many Christian circles that just have not been taught in these areas. About how to be led. And it's just one of the most important things you could ever learn in life. Phyllis and I talk about it sometimes. You know down there with with what's going on in Sarasota. I mean you got you know a hundred decisions to make every day. And and the decisions that they're making and that we're making. How do you make them? How do you not mess up? There's only one way. Learn how to be led by the Spirit. You never messed up being led by the Spirit. You messed up not listening, not paying attention. And that's why people had the awareness after it was over with to go, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Let's quit having to say that. Let's just go ahead and listen to start with. And in order to do that, you you must have a clear conscience. Because he speaks to you through your spirit, your conscience being the voice. Of your spirit. Notice in 1 Timothy 4 some very enlightening things about the conscience. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Let me read in the, uh, well, we'll read it like this, then I'll read the next one. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now, did you know you can't depart from somewhere you never were? So they were there in the faith and they left it. Why would anybody leave the faith? Many have. They'll depart from the faith and here's how it'll happen. Giving heed 
to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Is your conscience real? Can it be in more than one condition? You reckon a seared conscience is a bad condition. And how did it get that way? Hypocrisy and lies. Everybody say lies. Lies. Hypocrisy, which is a form of lying, dishonesty, not being sincere, not being genuine. It all has to do with lies, which is deception. And there is nothing that I'm aware of that is more singularly devilish than lies and lying and deception. And I don't know of anything that's more singularly God than truth. Of all the things he could have said that it was impossible for God to do, what did he say? He could have said it was impossible for God to do something relative to love or that it was impossible for God to do something relative to faith. He didn't. What it is impossible for God to do, which is so completely opposite his character and who and what he is so that he cannot do it. Now, how many know it's a big statement to say the Almighty can't do something? Not something you see very often in the Word. But this is something he cannot do. It is impossible for God to lie. Now think about what this means to us. The just are justified by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We overcome the world by faith. And how can you have faith in somebody that might lie to you? Can you see why this is so foundational? If there was any chance that God had lied to us or might lie to us or could lie to us, our faith would have no foundation. And when we're walking by faith, we don't see God and we don't necessarily see him with our eyes or hear him with our ears. We're walking in this curse-filled, demon-filled place. This is the anchor to our soul. That it is impossible for God to lie. If he told you something, it was it's true, it was always true, it'll always be true, it will never change. You can base your life, your eternal life, and security on it. And as such, God has never lied. He has never condoned a lie. He has never inspired anyone to lie. He's never been a partner to any deception. This is very big. This is huge. If you get this in you in the right way, it will make you hard to trip up. Hard for the devil to do. There's all kind of folks that come up with all kind of stuff about, well, you know, I I couldn't tell them the truth. I just love them too much. And the truth would hurt too bad. Or I prayed about it. And the Lord dealt with me, you know, to tell them this. No, he didn't. God never directed anybody that it was okay to deceive or tell a lie. Never has. Never will. Impossible. It is impossible for God to lie. Somebody say impossible. And the Lord cautions us and warns us repeatedly not to be deceived. Let Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Why is this so significant? Because we're talking about how to listen to our conscience and how to get our conscience clear. And how did these guys wind up with a conscience that was seared? Through hypocrisy and lying. That's how they got there. 
Listen to some of these scriptures. Don't try to turn to them. I'll just read some of them to you. Everybody okay? Some of these things are a little bit meaty. But the Lord must believe you could take it. You could handle it. If you think, oh, I don't know if I can swallow that. Just chew it some more. Just chew it some more. You don't have to chew milk. You can just swallow it as soon as it hits your mouth. But meat, you got to chew. Right? Well, let me say that. Because a lot of folks, all they've ever had is milk. And that's, that's all they're used to. And, and having to chew something is a brand new experience for them. But meat is good. Chewing is good. Yeah. Yeah. It'll do something for you. Put something strong in you. (laughs) Matthew 24. Don't try to turn to these. Just listen. Matthew 24, 4. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. Mark 13, 5. He said again, take heed lest any man deceive you. What does heed mean? We might say, watch out. Be on your guard. About what? So that nobody deceives you. Now deceive means to convince that a lie is true. To convince that something is not true is true. If you're deceived, you don't know it's a lie anymore. If you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't be deceived. But when you become deceived, you're now believing this is so and it's not. And when you believe a lie, or you believe lies, you can't get it fixed. Because you're operating on, upon an incorrect premise. You're trying to fix something, and it's not the problem. But you should know the truth. What will the truth do for you? Come on, help me out. The truth will liberate you. It will make you free. It has the power to make you free. And he whom the Son has set free, he is free indeed. One translation said he is unquestionably free. Free, free. And Jesus said, I am the way. What else? The truth and the life. When you say Jesus set me free, you said the truth set me free. His word, he said, thy word is truth. When you say the word set me free, you said the truth set me free. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. When you say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When you say the spirit moved on me and did something set me free, you just said the truth set me free. Truth, 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 truth. 1 Corinthians 3.18 it says, let no man deceive himself. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, be not deceived. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let no man deceive you. Do you reckon, in light of these words, there's a danger of being deceived? He keeps cautioning us, warning us, don't be deceived. Why? Because when you get to a place where you're believing lies, you're in trouble. You're in the darkness. You're not seeing things right. You think it's this way and it's not that way. You think these people don't like you and they do. You think they're your problem and you're your problem. Huh? Just a couple examples of being deceived. You believe something is, and it's not. And the problem with this, you can go on that way for 40 years and become a bitter, sour, empty individual and blame everybody and everything under the sun and believe this and they should have done that and they didn't do this and believe this and believe lies. And what will happen If you are hypocritical and dishonest and believe lies, your conscience will get seared. And a seared conscience is not one that hears from God. Go back to Timothy, please. What must we be to hear? We must be clear. 
to hear. I believe that's a phrase the Lord gave us. Where are we in Timothy? Did you remember? 1 Timothy 4, go back to that. The NIV, let's read this. Verse 1. He said, the Spirit clearly says, clearly. You know, the Spirit of God would never give you anything muddied up. Right? When he speaks to you, it's going to be clear. If it got muddied up, that was between you and the devil and other confused people. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, when people hear that, they think, oh, demons. But look at verse 2. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Everybody that's speaking and has inspiration is motivated by some spirit. And a man or woman can be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that will be truth that makes you free. Or a man or woman could be inspired by an evil spirit. And there are religious evil spirits. Church going. (laughs) Teaching, preaching. These doctrines of demons, this is not coming from the the Satanist church. These come across pulpits in churches. It was supposed to be of the Lord. Such teachings come through what? Hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. The Amplified says, Through hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared, cauterized. That's exactly what the word means, cauterized. Now what happens to flesh when it's cauterized? It is burnt, it is charred, and what's the the effects of that? Is it soft, supple, tender? Does it feel the same? It does not. Cauterized flesh can be such that the nerves are destroyed and you don't have feeling in that particular part. He gets into this and the New Living says, These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. The complete English, the CEV, says their consciences have lost all feeling. Their consciences have lost all feeling. The Living Bible. This is pretty interesting. The Living Bible. we have These teachers will tell lies with straight faces and do it so often that their consciences won't even bother them. If you tell something that you know is not true, the child of God's conscience is supposed to bother them big time. Smite them. You tell something that you know is a lie. You say something you know is not right. If you're right with God at all, your heart will smite you. Your heart will bother you. Your conscience will bother you the rest of that afternoon and the rest of that night. Come on, are you listening? And the next morning. And if you got any smarts, you will get it fixed. You will repent to God. You will admit what you knew. You will, uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that means you admit, I knew that was a lie. I should not have said that. You go to the people you lied to. You do everything you can to make it right. Do not make excuses. Because that's more dishonesty. Well, I didn't know exactly what y'all were talking about when I said that, and that's not what I meant and I know y'all might have took it that way, but that's not what... You're lying again. Right. <laughs> lying again. Be a man. Be a woman. Take responsibility. Step up to him. Said, you know that thing we were talking about the other day? And I brought up and I said this and that. Yeah. Uh, that was a lie. 
Don't sugarcoat it. Don't dance around it. Do you want to get free? Do you want your conscience to be clear? Do you want to hear from God? Do you want your faith to work? Then this is the kind of stuff. Can you see why so many people are so dull? Because there's something else you can do besides manning up and taking responsibility and admitting it and dealing with it properly. What else can you do? You can just ignore it. You can just go, well, you know, it wasn't like it was a, a big lie. It was just a little old white lie. What in the world is that? What is that? It was, you know, I, and I think it would cause more problems for me to bring it up now and try to talk about it than to just go on. And what's the problem? Here's the problem. You know that's not right. But you want to believe that it's okay. And so you want to believe a lie. And if you want to believe a lie, the father of lies is all too ready to come to your shoulder and go, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, in fact, you know, you really are caring about them by not bothering them with this and disturbing them with this. And uh, besides that, you know, you know what you meant in your heart. And what you do is you... Just keep going day after day. And your conscience is still bothering you about it. But it doesn't bother you as much after three weeks as it did when you did it. And this is a very bad thing. Because that's how you hear from God. It's through that. And then if you go on another month and another two months and another three months... It doesn't bother you much at all about that. And then other things come up and you don't heed your conscience on that either. And, 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 and this bothered you bad, but you were too proud to deal with that too. And, and the hypocrisy and the covering and the lies, what they're doing is cauterizing your conscience. And if you keep going like that year after year, you will get so dull and so insensitive that God can be yelling at you and you don't even hear it. You get to the place where you can tell all kind of lies and it don't bother you that bad. You can do all kind of stuff. You can take things. You can talk about people behind their back. You can do hurtful things and it bothers you a little bit, but not that bad. And you know if you'll just ignore it long enough, it won't bother you at all. But you, your conscience then has been defiled and cauterized. What does that to you? Anybody know? Lies. Hypocrisy. Go to Hebrews 3. Hold your place here. Go to Hebrews 3. I know some of this is sobering, but do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's important? Hebrews 3 and 13 just says this. He said, exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be what? Hardened through what? What would harden you? The deceitfulness. The deceitfulness of sin. Jesus talks about this. We, we touched on this earlier, but in John, you can turn there or not, they'll put it on the screen for us. In John 10, he talks about lying and deception. And there's something that goes with the scripture about it being impossible for God to lie. He said that the thief doesn't come except to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. But what does he do? Jesus comes. To give life. And to give it more abundantly. Now that's what chapter? John 10.10. 10. Back up to the 8th chapter. 
And you see what led to this. All the, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. It all flows together. In the 8th chapter and the 44th verse. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day. The leaders of the synagogue. The theologians of the day. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust or desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Now, we saw where it said people would leave, they'd depart from the faith. We said you couldn't depart from something unless you had been in it. He abode not in the truth. Do you know there was a time when the devil, he wasn't created the devil, he was created an angel. He was in the presence of brilliant light. All he ever heard was truth. All he ever saw was truth and light and good. But he didn't want to stay in it. He abode not in the truth. Why? Because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Lying started with him. Before he started it, there was no lying. Think about this. A time when there was no deception. There was a time with God, with the angels, and the creation at that time, when anything you heard from anybody, anywhere, was absolutely the truth. No shading, no covering up and misrepresenting, nothing, none of it, until the devil invented lying. He fathered it. He started it. That's why I said, I don't know of anything that's more singularly the devil or devilish than lying. And it ought to cause us to despise it. It ought to cause us to absolutely abhor it. And refuse to be a partner to it. You need to make up your mind. You are not going to tell a lie. It doesn't matter what it may cost you. Or what you have to deal with. Lying is not an option. Ever. About anything. With anybody. It's not an option. Well, I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm going to tell the truth on that, it shouldn't be an option whether you tell the truth. There is no other option. The devil invented this. And when he speaks a lie, he's talking something he invented, he came up with. And so everything that has deception about it has the devil about it. I don't care who they're supposed to be, supposed to be a preacher supposed to be a man of God, they told a lie, God cannot be anywhere around that lie. That's devilish. That don't make them the devil, but it means they yielded to the devil. I don't care who they are. And there's nobody ever has to tell a lie. Ever. If you, now, (laughs) it'd be hard to find somebody in this room that had never told a lie. (laughs) Or watching my camera either. <laughs> it starts early, early, early. Two years old. You hear the cookie jar rattle. <laughs> you go in there and there's crumbs all over the counter. And there's chocolate all over the little face. You go, you been in the cookie jar? No. <laughs> and that's usually people's response. <laughs> They're so cute. This ain't cute. No, sir. This is devilish. It doesn't mean they're the devil. It doesn't mean they need the devil cast out of them. <laughs> but it does mean unless you like them lying to you about taking money out of your purse when they're 13 or about where they were, what they were doing when they were 16. Come on, are you listening? You better have that in mind right now. And they need to know that this is absolutely unacceptable. They need to see it by the look on your face. They need to see it and know it by your reaction. It doesn't mean mean you're mean to the child. 
But they need to know. I'm so thankful for my, my parents in this regard. My dad, that's one thing. He was tough on this about lying. You could do some things and we could get past it, but man, don't lie to him. Don't lie to him. And uh, I remember he'd look me in the eye and something was coming up, and especially when we were teenagers and driving and you're going to go somewhere, you're going to do stuff. And he'd want me to give him my word. And to him, that was enough. And he's teaching me that. You're going to go here. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Now that's what you're going to do. He looked me in the eye. <laughs> and I knew this is, <laughs> this is not to be toyed with. <laughs> and he had piercing eyes. And, he, and he, he'd say, now you're, this is what you're going to do. I came in one night. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Now, you know, I don't have to tell you all this stuff, but I'm going to tell you some things. I came in one night, and I'd been drinking some beer. She looks across the crowd. (laughs) You're going to sit there and act like you never did anything out of sorts. And he could smell it on me when I came in. Of course, I tried to get by real quick, you know, and go to the room. But he didn't say anything that night. Next day, he said, uh, you drinking last night? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you can't go out and drive and drink. He said, you just can't, you can't take the car anymore. You can't go out. I said, that's tough. Well, you know what's tougher? Being called out in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, your boy's dead. Uh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's tough. And we went on a couple of days, and I missed a couple of things that I could have been a part of. And he called me, had me sit down. He said, "Uh, will you give me your word that you won't do this again? I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't drink and drive. I said, yes, sir. And, uh, well... He put me right back in the car. I'm back in the road. All my privileges restored. And uh, guess what? A few weeks later, all your buddies out. And uh, you know, they're all down in the cold ones. And you're just standing around, not doing anything. And I held out for a little while. And then I... Broke my word. I came in. And. uh, He just looked at me. Didn't say a word. I'll never forget that look. He didn't speak to me for two weeks. Not a word. He didn't beat me. He didn't yell at me. He didn't cuss me. Why? So so people act like stuff like that. Well he's a teenager. You know teenagers do stuff. No. No. Nobody ever has to lie. No Christian should ever lie. It is as devilish a thing as you can do. When you're looking somebody in the eye and you're using their trust in you to convince them of something you know is a lie, it doesn't get any more devilish than that. That's what the enemy of your soul is trying to do to you every day. Man, I felt bad. Oh, it's well. I, here I'm a grown man, and I'm, I'm talking about it all these years later. I mean, it made an impression on me. He wasn't trying to do anything to me. I could just see it in his eyes. You know, you stood there, boy, and lied to me. You gave me your word, and then you just lied. There's no excuse for that. Thank God, there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness and there's cleansing, but there is no excuse. There is no excuse. Thank God we got past it. (laughs) And he forgave me. I repented. It took us a little while. Because you are your word. 
God has exalted his word above his name. He is his word. The word was God. Right? The word. I mean, can you separate God from his word? No. And that's why one reason it's impossible for him to lie. I mean, if he lied, he wouldn't be his word. And one of the things that most makes us a child of his. How many think children of God ought to take on some of the characteristics of God and be like God? Is that we don't lie. Won't you sit out loud? We, we don't, don't lie. lie. For any reason. For any to anybody. anybody. About anything. About Ever. Ever. Now, I don't care if you told five lies yesterday. That can be the past. Yes. Come on. Are you with me now? You can repent. You can change. You can be the man, the woman that you're supposed to be. Now, why am I talking so much about this relative to this? Because it is the core of it. In order to have a clear conscience, you must be honest with yourself. You got to be honest about what you see. You got to be honest about what you know. And the reason why so many folks are such deceivers of other people is because they are self-deceived. They deceive themselves. They kid themselves about what they see and know. And you get into that and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And the only way to come out is to admit your lies and stop. By the grace of God, quit it. Stop it. Look in Titus. One reason we're we're talking about this, and I believe the Lord's helping us with utterance on it uh, in a strong way, is because, friend, there is no way around this. There is no other path. If you ignore this, you will never be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Your faith will never be what it ought to be. Y'all with me, friends? There's no way around it. You, if you ignore this, you can listen to all kind of series on other things, and it's not going to benefit you. But the good news is, no matter how seared, how cauterized, how dead, we serve a healing God. <laughs> we serve a miracle-working God. And the most hardened, the most dulled can become... Sensitive again. Tender hearted. Honest soul. Thank you Lord. Did you you hear about Titus? (laughs) Titus 3. I know some of this is sobering. But man the end results can be glorious. It can be glorious. Can you imagine. If everybody in the household. Quit lying. And never lied to each other again. How many problems would that solve? You know, it'll make a difference in your life. Where you go. What you do. If you know when you walk in, somebody may ask you, where were you? Yeah. And you know, you got to say it. <laughs> You're not going to lie. You got to tell the truth. Yeah. Living that way will help to purify your life. Yeah. Won't it? That yes, you know no matter what comes up. You, you're going to tell the truth. Right. It'll make you live different. Because yeah. lying is not an option. Right. Covering and hiding is not an option. Exactly. Do you know why it's quiet? <laughs> a lot of people have said and done a lot of stuff they shouldn't have done. And it's not just this church. It's everybody. Everywhere. And it's why so many are so dull. Faith is so low. Things of the spirit are so indistinct. Folks' lives are so confusing. I want you to know it is possible to become so clear in your spirit that when the spirit of God speaks to you, you know it's him. You know You're sure. And when you know and you're sure, you will boldly do it. You will boldly step out and act on it. And that's when you get miracles. When you boldly step out and do what he told you to do. 
But masses of Christians live in this fog of, I don't know, was that him or is that just me or is that the devil or I'm just not clear. I'm not, I don't, there's reasons why people are not clear. We are supposed to be clear. We're supposed to stay clear, live clear. Do you believe you can? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe Jesus lived clear? Crystal. He said, I do what I hear the Father say. I don't think he ever uh, wavered for half a day if that was the Father or not. Do you? Never. Crystal. And his walk is available to us. Scripture says so. Titus 1. Titus 1 and 15. You know, this ought to be encouraging in some ways. Because if you were too much of a baby to hear this, we'd be talking about something else. The Lord must know that you and I can hear this. This is growing up stuff. This is becoming more spiritual stuff. This is being spirit-led. How many like for the Lord to call you in the nighttime like he did Ananias? He said, I'm here. Get up. Go to such and such street, house number such and such. There's somebody there, Paul, Saul, I want you to go in there and you say this to them and then this is going to happen. That's what God's preparing us for. That's what this is about. This ain't about somebody feeling bad, getting under condemnation and being ashamed. This is about getting real and getting free and getting clear so you can hear. I can see a picture of two strong churches. Believers all over Branson, Springfield, Harrison and the surrounding areas hearing from God. All times of the day and the night and going and calling and praying and checking on and giving. And not just a bunch of goofy stuff. Led by the Holy Spirit. Right place at the right time with the right word. And amazing things just happen. And that happening all over Sarasota and Tampa and Fort Myers and all that area down there. This is supposed to be happening all over the earth. We can't control everybody, but we can do our part. Before you can do anything, you've got to hear and be sure. And before you can hear, you've got to be clear. Titus 1.15 To the pure, all things are pure. But to them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing's pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. That defile has to do with muddied. Like something is smeared. That's what the words literally mean. To be smear. Like to muddy up. Well, what happens with a, uh, your, your windshield? <laughs> when you got chunks of mud and you turn your wipers on and it's all smeared over. That can become very dangerous. Because you can't see where you're going. And when you can't see where you're going, you could hit anything. Same thing is true in life. Your conscience gets smeared over and muddied over and you can't see and it's not clear and you can't hear. You wind up at the wrong place at the wrong time. The devil had something set up for you. Get in accidents you're never supposed to be in. Problems and attacks and losses and injuries and thing after thing. Oh, but when we're clear and spirit led... The devil will try to set something up for 20 years to mess you up and the Spirit of God to just mess up his little plan. At that morning, he'd, get you, he'd direct you, don't go there. Don't do that today. And you're so clear, you won't have to try to figure it out or have a, a logical explanation. You'll just obey what you get inside and you, uh, and, and you just make the devil so mad because you just totally miss his plan. Is this worth making some changes? It is. Go to Titus 3. Titus 3 and 8. Let's see, for time's sake, go on down to uh, 10. 310. He said, a man that is a, a heretic 
And this word heretic, that's, well, that's a King James word that just kind of flies over most folks' head. It means contentious, contentious, contentious. Somebody wants to argue. You know, there's people who enjoy arguing. They like to fight. They will start a fight. I'm not necessarily talking about a fist fight, but I'm talking about a disagreement. They like to start things and get them in an uproar and back off in a corner and just watch it. Does that that remind you of anybody else? It's like the devil himself. (laughs) Strife causer. The Bible said God hates strife. He hates it. Sowing discord among the brethren, it's one of the things he hates. But knowing this, that he that is such is subverted and sins being condemned of himself. The Dewey translation, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, avoid. Knowing that he that is such a one is subverted and sinned, being condemned by his own judgment. The Living Bible says, if anyone's causing divisions among you, he should be given a first and a second warning, and after that, having nothing more to do with him. Is that New Testament? For such a person has a wrong sense of values, he is sinning, and he knows it. Now, James, we talked about this earlier, to him that knows to do good, and does it not, to him it is sin. Why? To him it's sin. Why? Because of what he knows. God holds us accountable for the light that we have. And violation of light is sin. The NET. The New English says. Reject a divisive person after one or two warnings. Everybody say one or two. two. That's different from five or ten. After one or two. Leave them alone. Now that doesn't sound very Christian to most folks' minds, but it doesn't get any more Christian than the New Testament. We need mind renewal. Verse 11, you know that such a person is twisted by sin and is conscious of it himself. Here's the point. Why after one or two Admonitions and correction say, well, I'm not talking to you anymore about it. And leave them alone. Because if they won't listen to their own conscience, they're not going to listen to you. We need to not play conscience for other people. We need to know when to be quiet and when to back off. And let them deal with their own conscience. John 8. Turn there. And I'm I'm thinking about closing. John 8. Is the story. Of them taking the woman. That they said was caught in the act of adultery. And throwing her down. Interrupting Jesus. Throwing her down publicly. Humiliating her. And. uh, They said well Moses in the law said stone her. What do you say? Jesus. And uh, John 8 and 7, let's look at 7. They continued asking him, and he lifted up himself and he said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. They are completely outside themselves condemning, judging this woman. Now, what did he just say? Look inside. You want to judge her. You want to condemn her for sin. He's not saying whether she's right or wrong or sinned or didn't. She did. She admitted it. But he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And verse 8. And again, what did he do? What did he do? He stooped down. Now he's not looking at them and he's not talking to them. And verse 9. And they which heard it being convicted by what? By their own conscience went out one by one. They didn't all do it at the same time. One at a time. So this took a little bit of time. Beginning at the eldest even to the last. 
Why a person that is divisive and argumentative just admonish them, warn them once or twice and then leave them alone? Why? He said they're condemned of their self. They're not listening to their self. They know better than what they're saying and doing. So it is fruitless and vain for you to try to keep talking to them. There are people who imagine that if you talk enough, it can fix anything. And it just ain't so. Jesus stood up. He said, uh, whoever's here that hasn't missed it, hasn't sinned, you can throw the first rock. And then he turned away from them. He bent down again. He's not looking at them. He's not trying to convince them of anything. Can you see this? He left them with their conscience. Because the truth is, if they won't listen to their conscience, they won't listen to anything else he has to say. But they're being convicted. When, when When they quit looking at her and her sin and they stopped and looked inside, their heart smote them. What are you doing? You hypocrite. Right? You judging her. You ready to execute her. You know what you have done. You know your own failures. Your own mistakes. You've got to be dishonest. To be judgmental. And some folks that have such powers of discernment. If they'd ever turn that thing on their self. What a revelation. It makes you live different. It makes you see everybody different. It makes you talk different. When you're continuously aware of your own conscience. You don't come down on people like that. You're not ready to judge. Because you know yourself. Except for the grace of God. You wouldn't have made it this far. How many times you've been forgiven. Right? But in order to get like they got. You have to ignore all that. Push it aside. Push it away. If we'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit. There will be times he will tell us. Hush. Be quiet. Let them deal with their conscience. Won't you stand on your feet everybody. Let's close our eyes. And just lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's do that right now. The Lord can be very, very real to us. But we have to be honest. Honest with Him. Honest with ourselves, Honest with other people. Close your eyes, please. No looking around. Everybody say it. In the room, watching by internet. Everybody. Lay your hands on the middle of your, your front stomach midsection said out loud Father forgive me for any falseness any phoniness any lies any deception there's no excuse thank you there's forgiveness forgive me Cleanse me, I pray, from all deception, all falseness, all phoniness. I love you. You are the truth. I love the truth above everything because I love you above everything. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and begin to praise Him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's praise Him some. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. 
Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.